Well, hi everybody. Tonight is Thursday, February 25th, 2016, and we are very, very excited um, to welcome you to the kickoff of our Open ABE MOOC. We've changed the name so many times, I don't even really know what we call it, but basically it's um, our MOOC to prepare um, instructional modules for adult basic education. And um, I'm Jennifer Madril. I'm sitting here in Chicago, Illinois, and maybe we could go around and everybody could say hello. We have a, a few of the designers and subject matter experts from the, the project. So, JR, you want to kick us off? Hi, I'm JR Dingwall. I'm an instructional designer, educational developer here in Edmonton, Alberta. And it's only about two degrees Celsius up here today, so we're not doing so bad for fe the end of February. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Good evening. I'm John Bakke assistant professor at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Yay. And then we've got Kaya, but I think Kaya's working on her mic. I'm not sure. Can you hear us, Kaya? Can you? She's waving at us anyway. She can hear us, but we can't hear her. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Um, this is kind of an awkward situation. Normally when we have our meetings for Designers for Learning, we use Zoom. And maybe we'll move to that because it looks like we have about 32 viewers and we have uh, 50 seats in Zoom. So maybe next time if we keep these uh, meetings to that constraint of 50 people, maybe we'll move it over to Zoom, which is I, I feel much more comfortable in. We can use, all use the same text chat and what have you. Um, but if you do have questions, if you're on Twitter, um, if you use the hashtag OpenABE, um, JR, would you mind doing the, the honors tonight and kind of keep an eye, an eye on that? I've got it and, on the side. Excellent. Thank you so much. And then we also have been, um, although there hasn't been a lot of activity, we have been trying to keep track of what's happening in our help forums as well as our Ask the Subject Matter Expert, which is in our Canvas course shell. Um, so between those two, we'll try to see if we get any new activity during um, the session tonight. But um, I do have a few canned uh, remarks and some things that I wanted to, um, to do as, as long as we don't have any um, questions coming in. And so first and foremost, I really want to thank everybody for joining us. This has really been a really incredible experience for all of us involved, and I, I can't believe it's kicked off and is actually happening, but just to give you a little bit of background, we started the design of this course back in August of last year, 2015, and uh, we have a team of, I don't even know where we were ended up, maybe 24 or so uh, between designers, subject matter experts, and now facilitators, all working as volunteers, so no one, there's no money exchanging hands, we're all just doing this um, as a labor of love and having um, you know, a great time doing it. Um, and so uh, I'll make sure when I post the recording in Canvas that I have show notes and it will have the links to our uh, team page to give everybody a sense of um, who it was that worked on the project and um, you'll have a chance to, to see everybody's uh, shining faces. And then I also wanted to mention a couple other things um, regarding registration and enrollment. It's been great this week. I think about 150 people have joined since we started on Monday. And so we do want to cap the um, registration to next week because it is a project-based course and we don't want to have too many folks um, joining us too late in the game. And so uh, March 4th, the enrollment will officially close. So if you are talking to some of your colleagues or students or friends and you want to join, um, kind of keep that date in mind that March 4th will be the last day and then I don't have any control at that point to, um, to let anybody else in. And then now I'm going to stop talking and uh, pass things over to both to JR and to John to talk a little bit about, they were both designers of the first two modules in the course. So uh, John worked on module one 
and JR worked on module two. And so if, um, John, maybe if you could kick us off and um, kind of give us what your design ideas were. How, how did you come about the, the material you presented and the activities and the things that um, people are going to be working on? In module one, we wanted to really kick this off with you being able to really understand the environment, the context, and more importantly, who the learners are that you are designing towards. So we, we use a, in module one, you'll, you're going to participate in what we call empathic design, where you are going to actually begin to put yourself in the shoes of your learners. And um, working with the subject matter experts very closely, we came up with these personas. And the, there are six personas that represent um, adults who are looking to get their high school equivalency. And um, so you're going to experience these people. And we're going to bring you through a lot of different activities so that you can really start to get a feel for who the learners are going to be. Because we feel that it's really important in instructional design to understand who our learners are beyond just demographics. We really want to understand what they want to accomplish, um, what their hopes, dreams, and fears are coming into, um, into any type of instructional design setting. So we're going to lead you through that. In addition, we're going to kind of get you to, to start thinking about what are the gaps here and, and what will be the gaps for your learners and really trying to bring in the context. And this is going to sort of set the stage as you move forward in the other modules because what you take from module one in really understanding the learning environment, the performance environment, who your learners are, that's going to set the stage as you move into the other modules as you begin to really understand and start choosing what um, topic you will want to design with and then getting to your design document, your prototype, and then your final lesson. Yeah, and then um, the other designer that worked with you um, was Eric. He, w he worked on the pieces that were associated with the, um, the learning context and the mm -hmm. performance context. And um, unfortunately, he has a he got a new job and, and wasn't able to join us on the facilitation part. So we really really thank him for that. And so, John, I, I know also um, you might want to mention you're conducting research. Do you want to talk a little bit about that as far as what your research interest is? Uh, folks may have seen that in the module zero where you talk about the the study that you're um, that you're running during this course. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a research study um, following you designers as you move along through. Um, all of the modules getting to your final product and what I'm interested in is is seeing how you take your understanding of the learners and use that throughout the um, entire project as you design so as you move from modules you're going to you're going to receive prompts and you're going to receive reflections and discussion questions on you know where you are in your design and saying you no know, how are you thinking about your learners right now? How are your instructional strategies and your delivery um, strategies being impacted by your learners? Because really what we want you to start thinking about is that every design decision you make will is made in light of how it will impact your learners. So you always keep your learners um, right up there in front. You're always walking in their shoes the whole time and that's really where my um, interests in research are so I'm um, very excited to be able to um, follow you along as you uh, proceed. And, and maybe we could make a pitch to those that have joined our course that are adult educators. 
Uh, I've been so thrilled to read through the introductions that are in Module Zero and see how many pro working professionals who do this for a living, which is not, unfortunately, um, all of us in this uh, group are unfortunately not the subject matter experts necessarily on adult education, uh, but more so maybe on the instructional design side. And so um, I know, John, we've talked about this. Uh, as people are doing their uh, discussions in Module 1, it would be great if the um, adult educators could give us some real-world contextual information about things. I know, for example, a question came Absolutely. up um, about the TABE testing and how that comes into play. Mm -hmm. um, I think TABE, I'm, it's what is a test of adult basic education. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, and I'm sure people are squirming right now that I somehow have uh, messed up that acronym. But uh, basically, that's the test when a, a new learner comes into an adult education program um, there's some type of uh, leveling test that will assess uh, where they fit in either math or English or whatever the, the subject may be. And then from there, that's the, those are the materials that they would work on from that level on up. And that was one example of a question that came up within the discussion in Module 1. And it would be great, as I said, if someone who's very familiar with this field could come in and say, well, in the real world, you know, this is what we see and this is how it tends to work. So we do invite you to do that as well. So JR, do you want to take us through Module 2? JR is squirming right now because uh, we all kind of cringe. Module 2 is when we start getting into these dreaded college uh, and career readiness standards. So I can, I'll can, i try to bail you out if you need some help, JR, but, but go for it. Why don't you try? So this is about CCRS from your local Canadian. <laughs> from the Canadian so, designer who is back so, uh, I'm going to turn my attention away from the, the, the Twitter feed momentarily, so I'm not ignoring you. Um, but module two is now where we start to make some of those first design decisions, and that's how, how we lay this whole thing out. So we talk about things like the CCRS, the College and Career Readiness Standards, that are kind of a roadmap for the different levels that your uh, selected learner might be at, uh, and the content area that they're uh, going to be engaged in, or that you're building a lesson for. Uh, we talk about some of those foundational things we, we love in instructional design, such as learning objectives uh, and how to craft those. And those of you that are experienced, it's going, you're going to be able to fly through that section. And those of you that maybe haven't uh, experienced uh, writing learning objectives, there are some support materials that uh, my, my colleague uh, who developed the module with me um, uh, created as well. We talk a little bit about how the learning objectives influence assessment and what assessments you, you might uh, uh, select for your lesson. And then uh, what's built into that first section of Module 2 then is an example. So you, you get to actually see, okay, here's an example uh, from English language arts that we used where there are some learning materials and what that looks like in terms of, of a lesson plan and maybe what we might be expecting um, towards the, the final project. Um, the design template is also introduced in that section. Um, and so it's really just to get a feel for what kinds of things we're developing. Um, the second part of Module 2 talks a little bit more about Creative Commons and, and open education. And that's the, the part that I was a lot more focused on. It's an area of interest for me. So we talk about what is Creative Commons, how those licenses uh, work, and why that's important for the kinds of work that we do and that we're not locking all of these resources up. Uh, we talk about OER Commons a little bit and the open author, which is where a lot of our um, final projects will be evaluated and how they'll be delivered at the end of the course. 
um, and some some pieces of well, if I've decided uh, that my project will be a lesson that already exists, or I found one that already exists and is uh, uh, an OER, maybe I can make it better, or maybe I can shape it more around the CCRS. Um, and so we talk in the end of module two a little bit about how to find OER uh, to see if you need to develop from the ground up, so to speak, um, or if you're going to adapt something and, and what criteria are around those adaptations. And um, JR, we, um, I don't know if you even saw this, but when I um, put the repositories, JR's done a nice job of rounding up some of the main uh, OER repositories where you could find resources. Um, I actually included in there a, a Google form. So if you are, we have a lot of librarians, shout out to the librarians <laughs> that are joining us. If there are um, repositories that you're aware of that you'd like to share with us, there is a place within module two where you can fill out a little form. And then we also have a Digo uh, social bookmarking site. And um, all of that you can find within module zero where the links to that. And there's also a discussion form that says um, resources. So I think a real fun part of what we're going to be able to do with this great group of 1,000 plus people that we have is this ability to share. And um, it's just going to be a matter of, it's going to be a fire hose of information. And so trying to make it somewhat streamlined so people can um, can find things. But um, JR, I don't know if you want to maybe also just kind of end with um, the talk a little bit about OER Commons uh, as far as that being kind of the, the home base where we're going to be using to develop our resources and then also maybe some ideas where they can find uh, resources to, um, to potentially dovetail off of. Yeah, of course. Uh, OER Commons is a central repository of, of different um, uh, educational objects and they have a, a whole way of structuring and filtering those and, and tagging anything that's built in it. Um, a lot of OER repositories way back when uh, were really places where we could link out to other websites or other resources um, or sometimes upload uh, different documents. And what I've noticed with OER Commons, which is a bit different than I've seen with other repositories, is they have a tool called Open Author. So you can actually author your educational resources right in their system and go through all of the tagging um, and that they also have an evaluation uh, piece to it. You know, one of the, the big criticisms of OER or concerns about OER was how do I know if it's any good? And so OER Commons actually uh, uses what are called the Achieve rubrics. We talk about that a little bit in Module 2 um, for evaluation. Um, there are six rubrics in total, and so what I've provided instead as, a, as an exercise in Module 2 is a condensed version of the Achieve rubrics, which is all licensed under CC. Um, and so it, it'll give you a, a bit of a taste for um, for how we might evaluate uh, OER. Um, one of the questions that just popped up in the in the Twitter feed on my sidebar there is from Martin. Hello, Martin. Uh, Hi, are we teaching designing to the test GED? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? We we how many conversations about this have we had? It hurts. It hurts. But unfortunately, yeah. And I you know I don't know the context in 140 characters. Can you tell if he's saying you know? Rats? Why are we doing that? Or is that just a general uh, I think <laughs> observation? Maybe we, I think it, when we talk about the CCRS, maybe we just uh, over overlooked that um, uh, that this is for GED preparation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and these are materials that will, will help our, our learners. Yeah, it is. Um, so that's a great piece of context to add. So the GED test was changed in 2014 to align with the, the CCRS standards, the College and Career Readiness Standards, which were adopted in uh, 2013, to the tail end of 13. And so um, because of that, adult educators were left with uh, resources that didn't align with the new GED test. And so that's really where our biggest, the biggest need came from. And that's why when we first polled our subject matter experts as far as um, you know, what types of resources would you like, they said, well, bottom line, it has to align to the CCRS. But then kind of taking that to the next level, which kind of gets to a, a second of a part B to, to the Twitter question, is yes, you know, kind of like it or not, we're helping people prepare for a test. And um, it takes a little while to get past that because as educators we kind of uh, like to say that we, you're, we're not here to help people pass tests, um, but in this case it really is very important. It's, it's really a, a major achievement and a goal for a lot of folks is to pass the GED or whatever. The, the, there are different versions, um, different high school equivalency paths, pathways that they could take. Um, but bottom line is those pathways are tied to this um, college and career readiness standards and so that's why we've we've um, kind of put our, our all our eggs in that basket that's why we're asking you to design your lessons around that any other questions coming in JR on no. that's it okay um, well I also want to um, talk a little bit about this is I've, I've seen I'm trying my best to read everybody's introduction because it's really so exciting for me to to welcome everybody to the class. It's really great that people take time out of their busy, busy lives to help us and, and to, to learn with us. And so I've seen many people say I'm nervous about this experience. I, how in the world can you learn in a class with over a thousand people? And I keep telling uh, in all my comments, just, just sip from the fire hose. Just take little sips when you're able. And um, you may find it more comfortable to try to connect in smaller spaces. And um, so we've gone uh, ahead and set up a few places where that, that you may feel more comfortable having smaller sidebar conversations. Uh, we have a LinkedIn group that at this point has about 160 people in it, still fairly large, but I know a lot of folks have mentioned within their introductions that they're either starting their careers um, or maybe career changers and are out um, to take this experience trying to get to know new people. And that would be a great opportunity to um, polish up your profile on LinkedIn and, and join the, the LinkedIn group. And all of these links, I'll, again, I'll put them in the show notes, but they are in module zero for where you can find these communities, separate communities. Um, we also have a Facebook group, which is also at about 140 people right now. So if you're on Facebook a lot during the day and you want to hop over and, and check things out on that group, that may be something of interest. We also have a Google Plus group. Again, about 160 people have so far joined that. Um, and then, um, as JR has mentioned already, we um, are trying to get some interest going on Twitter. This is kind of a quiet Twitter group. I thought maybe with a thousand people we'd have more people um, that were um, interested in Twitter. But um, we're, again, using that hashtag of open, hashtag OpenABE to try to aggregate all of the conversations on Twitter. Um, and then, as I mentioned uh, briefly, there is that Digo group. If you're into social bookmarking, that's a, a really nice platform to be able to do that. And, and it's, that's much smaller. I think we only have about 20 or 25 people that have signed up for that. Um, and then we're about at 20 minutes. I don't want to sit and ramble too much because, as we've said, we haven't gotten too far into the class to have a lot of questions. But a few things have come up. Um, and maybe, John, you could help me answer um, the question about um, design models. Um, we, we received a question right out of the box. Uh, we hadn't talked about Addy, and it's kind of hard to have an instructional design class 
without um, adding. For those that aren't in the instructional design field, it's basically an acronym that describes the what tends to be the primary processes that happen in instructional design. So it's the analysis, the design, the delivery, the implementation, and the evaluation. And um, so we have kind of pivoted a little bit. We certainly have not disregarded any of those important steps, but we're approaching it in a little bit different way, and we're using um, the, a basic design process that is applicable to all kinds of disciplines. So it could be architecture, it could be product design, maybe whatever you're designing. And it comes from the Delft Design Guide, so it's Delft University. And um, so if you go under the Ask a Subject Matter Expert, there's a little bit of a explanation for how we came to follow that process for our, our design process in this class. And there's also a link to the book as well as an open course from Delft University if you're interested in learning more about their design philosophy. And I don't know, John, if you had any, if you've any more thoughts on on that, that, that piece of it. No, it's, you know, that philosophy is very similar to an Eddy philosophy. I mean, it, it's just a matter of, of um, you know, the terms they use. But what we wanted to make sure that everyone really took from this um, design process is the, that being a, being very iterative. And um, unfortunately, in instructional design, our history is that our models often become very linear, and they and they they have this feeling that you know once you do one step, you don't ever go back to it. Well, we all know as designers that we're always going back to it. So, um, so those of you that are used to the Addy, the that approach still works. But what we want to reinforce this through your journey is the fact that we really want you to have this iterative approach and even though you're going to do module one, module two, module three, module four, every module was designed with kind of looking forward and looking back. So when you get into module two, module one is going to be pulled into it and then you know as JR was describing and then he's going to start to give you a little taste of what's going to happen in module three so you're starting to go that way and so we have this iterative approach the whole time and that's really where taking design principles from architecture and graphic design and engineering really comes into play because those designers are so used to designing in this iterative process and as instructional designers we've always done that but we've not always shown that we do that so that's kind of where we came up with um, the approach for um, this whole design. Yeah and then there's also a real obvious hole in what we're doing as related to ADDIE as the I in ADDIE stands for implementation and we, given the constraints of a 12-week course and we don't have a pool of learners, we aren't actually implementing these to be able to do an evaluation of the implementation. So our evaluation, and JR mentioned, it's going to be using these uh, achieve rubrics within OER Commons. It will be a peer review, it will be a self-evaluation, and it will also be then um, a subject matter expert looking at your design as well. So that's kind of another reason that um, we don't have the, the eye. We're not doing the impl uh, implementation phase. Um, and then I'm just going to quickly run through some things. I, and then I, I'd love to highlight absolutely everybody has a, had a great profile, and most people were putting port, port, portfolios and cool things they're doing. 
Um, but if you're into blogging, um, Christian Lee has uh, is journaling his experience in this class. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, maybe a little nervous. I hope he <laughs> I hope he ends up having a good experience because we'll be broadcasting it to the world. Um, but again, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, he's talked about it on Twitter a little bit, and he posts every time he has a new blog post. He's been putting it up on Twitter, so that's kind of fun to watch. Um, and then a really cool, very you know, kind of got me a little choked up before we started. I read. Um, uh, Janet Lee has quite a project she did with a gentleman by the name of Arnie Stewart. Um, he learned to read as an adult, and um, sh I barely got through it before I, it was posted later this afternoon, and I really didn't get through all of it. Um, but she she basically um, has created a, a documentary of of his journey, and she traveled with him as he spread this message of literacy. And um, it's a really a, a very well done website and a really moving story for all of us that are interested in this. Um, obviously, we're all here. We're interested in this topic of, um, of literacy, and, and especially for adults. And so the website um, where she did, um, posted this, it's The Arnie Movie. So it's T-H-E um, Arnie, A-R-N-I-E Movie.com. And again, I'll put that in the show notes when we're done. Um, and then I think I'm about done, but I just wanted to mention a couple other things um, that may be coming up. Uh, Kay is here, and I feel bad she can't, she can't get her audio working, but um, she's waving at us. She is very interested, as well as Camille, on the global aspect of our designs. And so we may be hitting you up as things progress. Um, she may want to see if um, some of you are interested in speaking with her, um, either in an interview or some type of survey. Um, research that she may conduct with Camille on um, understanding the cultural differences and similarities um, given we are such a global audience of designers and how that may come into play. So um, I'll speak for you, Kay. Hopefully I'm saying what, <laughs> hopefully I'm saying what, uh, what she wants to work on. Um, a couple other things. I, I really want to um, mention the fact that we, there are no prerequisites in this course, which makes it difficult for us as designers to know where to set that bar. So um, we have some extremely experienced designers, and we have some who are mentioning they're basically novices, just coming in. This is their first opportunity. So if you feel, our, you know, we, put, we put together our design guide, as, as um, JR mentioned, and that's really what we'd like, in general, for each lesson to look like. Um, so we, we have a first section that has a lesson description, and that's there primarily so people can find your resource once it's put out in the world. Um, so there'll be keywords and audience descriptions and things like that. That's pretty standard stuff. We'd like everybody to make sure they're including with their lesson, again, with the idea that people can find it once it's out in the, on the internet. The second piece is the lesson itself. And I just really want to say there's a lot of freedom in that. Um, even though it looks like we have a fairly prescriptive um, layout of, of um, how we like things to flow. If you're interested in games, I've seen a lot of people say they're interested in um, some type of game-based learning. This is your time to try. So please do do not feel at all constrained by that design guide. It's always a, a, a kind of catch-22 as far as, well, we want to give you guidance, but at the same time, we don't want to pen you in. Um, so if you need the guidance and you want to follow it pretty much as it's laid out, more power to you if you're more interested in trying um, new things. Now, say, saying that, there is a slight caveat. Uh, we do want to make sure that your resources that you create are accessible to everybody once it is out on the internet. So if you do design on some type of platform um, outside of, and you can do that easily if you design outside of OpenAuthor and then provide a link to it if it's stored elsewhere on the internet, 
but please don't develop in any type of um, platform where it's uh, proprietary, where you need to pay for the, to access the resource, or there might be some um, real difficult kind of paywall, or um, not pay, paywall would be a problem, and then also even just weird logins and, and things that may be difficult for people to access. So we can almost stretch it too far to a point that it's, um, it, we have to also, as John talked about, the context, think uh, about our learners may not have great internet access um, where, where they're learning. And so even though we can create a lot of things with cool bells and whistles, um, kind of thinking back to, as John's saying, this idea of always going back to where our learners are at, they may not be able to use your cool new resource that you've developed. So um, I just wanted to make that point tonight that there's a big continuum as far as development and I'm kind of putting it on the designers to make sure they're cognizant that, that people have to be able to use it once you're done. Um, and that's about it. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, JR, I think you're taking the reins on the, the March 10th as far as being the, uh, the host of the, the next webinar that we're having, but anything else you want, guys wanted to mention? I think uh, one thing I'd like to mention is one thing that will make this MOOC maybe a little bit different than what you may have experienced uh, in other MOOCs if you've, if you've taken other MOOCs is not only do we have uh, the facilitation team to, to try and respond on the discussion boards, but um, in module zero where we have listed things like Digo or the, AB, the open ABE uh, Twitter hashtag is that those tools aren't just used for you to contact us, but also contact each other. And so there are these small bits that are loosely joined. So maybe you're interested in a specific uh, age group and uh, topic in mathematics. There might be, out of a thousand people, there's uh, a pretty strong probability that there's somebody else at least open, uh, interested in math but maybe in the exact same uh, standard that you're uh, going to address. And so being able to connect um, with other people using these tools um, might make the experience just that much better, or you'll have somebody to bounce some ideas off of and, and build some collegiality through this that might last well beyond the MOOC. Yeah. And I think that was our, our first um, night when we had our design meeting. I said, we're all strangers now, but I'll, I think we'll feel like colleagues by December. And I certainly thought, feel that way, and I think uh, most of the, I hope everybody and, uh, felt the same way that was on the design team, and we really hope the same for you. So we're starting out as a thousand strangers, and as JR said, just find your, find your people and find your kindred spirits and take advantage of all the tools that the Internet has available to us to try to, to partner up and, and, uh, and make, new, make new colleagues. So. And I thank everybody so much as we're signing off and... Guys, I'm I'm one last chance. <laughs> going once, going twice. Anything else you'd like to say? No, no other questions from Twitter either. So no more Twitters. Everybody's quiet tonight. All right. So we had about 60 viewers. So I guess that pushes us past the um, Zoom limit. So I guess we'll be back here uh, on March 10th. So thanks, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you then. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, I hear you. You heard me. Wow. <laughs> that was like. Well, that's cool. So did I put in your plug for your, I hope I, uh...